so happy new year gunner happy new year dave happy yeah. new year yeah what's new i'm uh i will admit i'm not coming back from the new year refreshed yes like like more tired going into it or out of it i'm more tired coming out of it yeah it was just yeah. a lot of travel you know juggling uh different obligations not that i didn't have a good time i had a great time but uh yeah I wouldn't, it was a good time and I wouldn't characterize it as relaxing. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I, I had fun. Laura and I went to see the Steelers and the, the Browns in Pittsburgh and that was a heck of a game for being a, a meaningless game. So it was just such a treat. It the, was uh, the, meaningless. Put yeah. a Yes. So the, the, it was the final game of the regular season. Mm-hmm. The Steelers were already in the playoffs. The Browns have only won one game this year. And so it was, and so they rested, the Steelers rested their first string um, because they, they didn't want anybody to get hurt. So they played the second string. And then, uh, so it was, it was actually a fairly evenly matched game. Uh, you know, the second string of the Steelers versus the first string of the Browns who weren't doing that good this year. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it, it was like, a, like a, a heart attack uh, kind of game going back and forth. And the very last score happened in the end zone right where we were at um so oh, that, nice. was, that was just like and then and it was sudden death overtime so they like caught the ball game was over and it's like wow what what happened it was just over so fast wow oh that's oh, that's nice got a got yeah even if it was a kind of a mediocre game you got a little treat at the end that's good yeah yeah no it was it was it was fun it was fun yeah yeah so um yeah so tomorrow as as we're recording this uh today uh, tomorrow is the big reveal for um, uh, Lauren's final uh, year of robotics. Uh, so they're they're doing the reveal for what the mission's going to be and everything. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking forward to that, seeing what what kind of robot, uh, or at least figure out what the mission is, and then they're going to figure out what sort of robot to build for that mission. Is it always a total surprise every year, or is it uh, mm-hmm. is or is it roughly the same with minor tweaks each year? Oh, it's radically different. Where uh-huh. one year they're like throwing like beach ball sized things. The other one, like this year, was like Monty Python themed with castles and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> so it's it's it could be anything. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. How do you get yourself a job as as one of the uh, contest designers, Dave? That's what I want to know because that sounds like where the that sounds like where the action is. Well, it, I would think it would be high stakes too, right? Where it's like if you design something that's too hard, or like how do you know if it's playable or not, and and a, a good game, and I and like and because the rules are different, and it's like a I don't know how eighty page rule book, it's like huge. Um, yeah, but think of know, all, all the opportunity all the, for things. for bribes and graft. Yeah, that too. Yeah, just like the was it the soccer and Olympics. And stuff <laughs> yeah, that's like right. That. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah maybe. Is there a lot of a lot of juicing in the robotics leagues? Is there a, yeah. A, <laughs> yeah, they they test them, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah performance enhancing uh, algebra and all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting. Is Lauren looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah, she's all excited. So it's she's the uh, lead lead programmer for last year. So um, she'll be passing a torch on. Excellent, excellent. And so, so what's your password situation? Did you last? We left you in, on a cliffhanger where you were on the fence about one password. Yeah, well, so and then one password. So, uh, just to recap, so I've been a one password person for a while. Um, the thing to recommend them was the fact that the password database was stored in Dropbox, and so ostensibly I owned it. Um, and all of the 
on my phone or on my tablet or my computers, they would just go to Dropbox and, and get the information well. Um, recently that broke, certainly for the Linux side of the house, you could no longer use the Dropbox to get the, the anyway. Um, suffice to say, my whole workflow was disrupted. And, uh, and I was asking you about uh, LastPass, which is your, your favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, almost as soon as we... Uh, ended that conversation, uh, 1Password announced 1Password Family, which is an online service of 1Password. So same clients and everything, but you just point it at this 1Password service and they will store the database for you. And it, that facilitates kind of sharing of passwords uh, mm-hmm. within a team or a family or, or what have you, which is nice, right? So there's mm-hmm. you know passwords for health insurance and other stuff that I want to maybe share with my wife and not with anybody else. Anyway, they wanted a... a frankly, a perfunctory amount of money for it. And, uh, and I, I paid for it. So, uh, yeah, one password we're, we're now on hmm. the one password family plan, which is great. So is that a subscription thing? Yeah. It's a, a subscription service. Uh, so I chose the annual subscription, um, very modest, uh, for the fact that, you know, I use it at least once an hour. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, it seems great. It, uh, okay. seems nice and safe and, um, uh, not, I find myself not especially concerned about the fact that I've, uh, handed an encrypted database up to these folks. Um, compared to Dropbox, compared to Dropbox. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I know LinkedIn, like they've been doing that for a long time where they host the blob for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, as part of the paid plan, you could do password sharing, uh, like with, uh, with your, uh, whoever you want and everything. Mm -hmm. I haven't done the password sharing yet. Um, because I just think that, well, I guess you got to trust the person you're sharing it with, I right. guess. And right. it, and so, like, you may trust your relatives and things like that, but are they, you know, it's sophisticated technologically and everything. And so it's like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm slowly easing into getting my head wrapped around that. But, yeah. but I could imagine that that's, that's a way to uh, open open yourself up unnecessarily. But but you only share certain passwords, right? Yeah, they say they the vaults is how they describe. It. So um, mm-hmm. you group your passwords into particular vaults, and you can share. You don't actually share the passwords; you share the vaults. So okay. there's basically a whole bucket I can put a particular username and password in, and it will then share that with anybody who has access to that vault, that yeah. bucket. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. yeah pretty intuitive. Uh, anyway, no complaints. Seems like it's working. So. Uh, I can, uh, I can, I can, I can, I feel like I can safely recommend this service and, uh, bonuses that, uh, because it's hosted online is, you know, you can get to it online as well. Um, yeah. so, so that's nice. Um, and, uh, also in, uh, so Dave, as you, as you recall, I'm, I'm back on, I'm back on the iPhone. Yeah. Right. Right. And, How's uh, that treating you? uh, again, no, uh, by and large, exactly the same experience. I haven't noticed any difference. Haven't been slowed down in any meaningful way that i did though discover and start playing with health kit um so this is the apple has created a way a kind of a standard way of storing uh i guess health telemetry is the best way to describe it Mm -hmm. so they've got buckets for yeah i can store my blood pressure and my glucose levels and my weight and my activity and my steps and my running and my exercising and whatever else um and so that's that I started poking around in there and I was like, Hmm, maybe I should be generating some data. And, uh, mm-hmm. so I got myself on a little new year's, uh, kind of workout running, jogging, let's be honest, uh, kind of routine. <laughs> and, uh, 
this health kit is, is really nice because now I have a bunch of different applications which are, you know, encouraging me to work out or meditate or sleep or whatever. And they all feed data into this health kit system. Right. And so I just open up the health app and there is all of the data consolidated, um, mm-hmm. which is which is nice and handy. So if I'm tracking food and exercise and all this other stuff, I can see like, oh, I ate a lot of protein that day. And so I so I slept, you know, thus in such a way. Um, anyway, oh, kind of okay. kind of like and uh it's more interesting at this point than useful, if that makes sense. Um, right. But, uh, right. but it's maintained my interest for a while. In fact, I went ahead and um, got myself, I decided to go get myself a, a, a Wi-Fi s- a scale. Um, okay. So this scale is, uh, will apparently uh, not only take my weight, but also my, uh, what, my pulse, uh, my body mass index, and a bunch of other information, and automatically report it back to this health kit. Um, oh, wow. On the phone. Yeah. So every morning, step on the scale, scale logs it in the app and uh, kind of takes all the friction out of uh, taking these measurements, which is kind of nice. Right. That's the thing is, is you got to make the data entry easy for you to like mm-hmm. want to keep doing it. It yep. has to almost be transparent. Yep. 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 Exactly. Um, and if anything, the interestingness of it encourages you to do it so if if there's a novelty in you doing it you'll want to possibly exercise more or at least for me i need some motivation yeah exactly so what i found through actually through uh so i've been as you know i've been uh, learning swedish over the last you know year or two Mm -hmm. um and the way i've been learning is through duolingo which i can strongly recommend and so what duolingo taught me is that i am extremely susceptible to unbroken chains i think we've talked about this before um so I'm now on day 223 of logging 50 points of Duolingo activity every single day. Um, wow. And not doing it uh, really, really makes me uncomfortable. Um, like I will rearrange my day to make sure that I turn in my 50 points. Um, yeah. And knowing wow. that as I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. That's actually useful. And it turns out, Dave, that exactly the same thing is true of uh, working out. If there's something that is going to tell me whether... Uh, I have worked out three times a week or ran three times a week or whatever. Um, I hold, it turns out I hold myself accountable to that. Um, and so, and how, so that makes health kit, uh, actually I, I take it back. I guess that is a way that health kit has become useful is that it is the thing that maintains my chains. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So it's, so I've had a very positive experience with it and it's super fun to kind of poke around and see it. Now I'm like, now I'm annoyed that like my GP, uh, doesn't actually produce a health record that I can slurp up into HealthKit because it also has the ability to do that. If your doctor provides an EHR, uh, um, oh. you can actually download the EHR and then stick it in HealthKit, and then it's all then basically it's your entire medical record. Um, That's interesting. Down to if you're logging your food intake, as I am, mm-hmm. you could even do like how much cholesterol you had every day, how much fat, how much protein, all the other stuff, and you can kind mm-hmm. of line that up with doctors' visits and all the other stuff. So you can imagine somebody who's got like somebody who has diabetes is trying to, you can imagine mm-hmm. how useful this is. Um, so really interesting. I'd, it's, I knew, I remember when they announced the feature and I was kind of skeptical. I was like, why do they, why are they even bothering? Uh, but now that I see all the different applications and how they can interact with each other, um, it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. Um, so now, you know, the number of steps that I'm taking is actually represented in the food counter. And so it recalibrates like how many calories you should take each day, depending on your activity. Um, right. And likewise in the exercise app, you know, it'll, it'll, it knows how much protein you've had and all this other stuff. So you can see how they all, um, they're all speaking with each other. Anyway, that's great. Uh, yeah. That's really- important for yeah. it to be connected as mm-hmm. opposed to just like a step counter, like a, like yeah. a, you know, Fitbit. And yeah. it's like, Oh, 
I walk this many steps and it's like, okay, well, but then it goes into your food thing and says, oh, well, that burned off that cheesecake you ate for lunch or exactly. something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's almost like a, uh, it's like a data bus for, for health data. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's great. I, it's, nice. it's super fun. It's been super fun to play with. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, we're doing a podcast though, right? We should, we should be talking about uh, like cryptocurrencies and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's see. We got. Uh, we're going to be talking about holding your TV for ransom, uh, unri- unwitting cryptocurrency miners, which could be you, um, and also how to write uh, email with military precision. Hmm, that sounds intriguing. That sounds right up our alley. Uh, so, Dave, if if, uh, if folks want links to uh, say one password, um, or if they uh, um, if they want to learn more about the uh, this year's robotics. Uh, this year robotic competition. Now, what, what what website can they go visit? They want to go to uh, dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Excellent. Excellent. And so the cutting room floor is actually, there's a bunch of fun stuff on the cutting room floor this week. Um, uh, I see in your notes here, Dave, the very first item, cheese and a hot glue gun. It's, it's a new delivery mechanism. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. I am here for that. I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. Um Um, sorry what else do we have what else do we have yeah we we also have it's well it's things inside other things is Mm -hmm. this theme so we got the the cheese and hot glue gun we have an atari 2600 inside minecraft uh we have uh blade runner in microsoft paint Mm -hmm. and we have a fake embassy in ghana Mm -hmm. and uh stuxnet in a scarf very nice very nice i like prepositions um well, that's awesome. Well, what do you say? Uh, should we just uh, should we just jump right in? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things um, there's you know with all the self driving car stuff that's going on now, um, there's a company called Comma dot AI. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Um, probably not. Comma dot AI. That sounds like uh, that sounds like that XKCD comic about the kid named Semicolon Drop Table. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Johnny Drop Tables. John, yeah. Johnny Drop Tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, no. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a different, a totally different organization. Um, so yeah, so this this startup, Comma.ai, mm-hmm. uh, they came out with this. They plan to have this nine hundred ninety nine dollar kit that you could turn your regular car into an autonomous vehicle. And um, so he did this tech crunch presentation and everything and he was he was getting ready to um you know uh, you know, turn this into a real product that for under grand you could you could make your car autonomous mm-hmm. and so i guess he got a letter from the national highway traffic safety administration uh, warning him to not do it um mm-hmm. because he has to um uh the, because they wanted all kind of safety information on the product right and so he ended up canceling the launch saying that he didn't have the money to hire lawyers um, that to get the government sign off, and so what he did instead uh, was that he open sourced everything, and he he just put it out there for everybody. It's like, all right, the heck with you people, and he he like open sourced it all, and um, <clears throat> so he did that, and then now you have all these consumer watchdogs. They're they're like freaking out, saying that uh, uh, the comma is a clear threat to highway safety, and is attempting to release it like it's like like this is absolutely outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, said John Simpson of the Consumer Watchdog. Uh, you know, he told the the author of this article, um, and so I I just thought that this was interesting because it's like um, like if you were to do this yourself with like a kit of Arduinos and everything, you would I guess be breaking the law because especially like in California, you have to have a permit 
with $5 million worth of insurance mm -hmm. um, to be able to demonstrate the safety. Um, but the, the, the guy that started this company is like, no, this is for tinkerers. It's not meant for uh, like Joe Consumer. Mm -hmm. And so he just put it out there for anybody just to, to put it in there. And he's like, well, if people wanted to do this, they, they would do it anyhow. So what's, what's a big deal? So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Is is a thought of open sourcing this a bad idea or a good idea, or is it? It's like you're going to have all these like computer nerds making cars that are going to kill people on the highway and stuff. Or what are your thoughts? Um, so there's the question of what. And here, as you know, Dave, I am a trained ethicist, um, and so I have a great deal of experience in matters like these. I uh, so there's the matter of there's a matter of what's legal and then what's ethical. Right. Um, right. And so the legal case here is pretty clear. Like then the highway transfer to transportation safety administration has, can make a pretty good case that like, yes, they need to be paying attention to these things. And yes, they should be, um, uh, yes, they should be regulating this stuff. Um, yep. you can have a, you can have a fun side argument with a libertarian about, um, why they're focusing on this one guy, um, as opposed to all of the other companies who are threatening to develop this stuff. Um, and, you know, you can see how the regulatory regime is actually potentially crushing innovation. Um, and or works the little guy. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Compared yeah. to somebody with the lobbyists that, you know, the fat cats. That are, and can yeah. afford uh, and can afford $5 million worth of insurance and all this other. Okay, so that's fine. Okay. Right. Um, okay, so that's the, that's the legal angle. Um, then there's the ethical angle. Um, I think he's he's obviously being disingenuous when he says like, "Hey, listen, this is just for tinkerers. I'm just you know, hey, listen, I'm I'm just making you know, I'm just making I'm just making machine guns here. Um, yeah. What what other people want to do with it is up to them. Um, right. I think he's being disingenuous about it, um, but he's but he's also but also you don't we don't want to be in a place where we're preventing people from tinkering and coming up with new or better ideas just because it could have some potential bad use down the road. Um, like we need we need the space in the market and the space in our we need the cognitive space to be able to do experiments like these and play with this stuff and, and even make bad decisions. And so I don't think that, um, put setting the legal stuff aside. Uh, I can't imagine that it would, I can't imagine that the NHTSA should be preventing him from publishing these designs. Um, because if he's not planning on commercializing them, right. Um, that just seems that that smells wrong to me. Like you should be able to, make this stuff up just like I should just like we should allow uh, a four-year-old boy uh, to invent a hovercraft uh, with a, with a howitzer on top um, you know written in crayon um, you know we don't actually expect him to do anything about it so you see there's a difference between like coming up with the idea and doing something about it now someone who puts this in a real car and puts this on the road like that's mm -hmm. where the, the that feels to me like that's where the rubber meets the road um, in the same way that if somebody starts uh you know, hacking up their car in unsafe ways. Um, we should also not let them add robots in unsafe ways. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so now we're, now I think we're back on safe ground where the NHTSA should absolutely, um, be asking serious questions and levying fines and, you know, even I guess potentially taking people to jail, um, for doing something as foolish as, uh, just because they found some designs on the internet, um, they decide they're going to make themselves an autonomous car and, and unleash it on the, uh, on the road. Like that seems like a terrible idea. So, yeah, well, uh, I, I can imagine like you get like the ham radio guys or the, the tinkers, right? Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm going to get this kit. And then you're going to have these meetups at, you know, the autonomous uh, car club or yeah. something. And 
But if people want to do that and it's a closed track or something, maybe maybe that's fine. Yeah, that's why that's um, why that's why yeah. God made the salt flats and uh, empty shopping mall parking lots, right? Like that's right. <laughs> that's what yeah. that's for. Yeah. yeah, And then, but the moment that and it's not just taking your own life in your hands, but it's it's you have the other like me on my motorcycle or something like that. That's mm-hmm. like, oops, there's a bug, and and you know, I'm no more. Yeah. Um, and so. You have that, but then, but then the other side of the coin is, I think it's like, oh, what if this is like the, the you know, the Wright brothers? Uh, like, if the FAA was out before the Wright brothers came out, mm-hmm. would the F would this be a similar sort of situation? But I guess also the Wright brothers went to Kitty Hawk as opposed to like jumping off of a, a building in New York City or something. Yeah, that's right. Well, and they didn't, or I guess the analogy here would be like the they went to Kitty Hawk first. They didn't found Pan Am, right? Um, right. Right. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. they, they, yeah, they went to Kitty Hawk, but there was no FAA yet. And, and so, but where like, there's all this regulatory stuff, um, that, and, and so you do need to have that balance, right? You mm-hmm. need to allow the tinkering, but you need to do it in a responsible way that doesn't hurt people. Yeah. 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 Yes. Very interesting. Well, the fact that he's, yeah. the fact that he was able to, even with a straight face claim that he could do this for a thousand bucks though, that should, I mean, that's just testament to, I mean, I imagine the system is not especially good. Um, but even so a thousand dollars is not a lot of money for what is kind of a pretty amazing set of technology that he would have that right. in place. Right. Um, yes. That's pretty impressive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, speaking of, of, uh, terrifying, um, there's, there's, um, so there's this, uh, a new thing going on with ransomware. It's been out for uh, that. We've seen this over the, over the break. I don't know if you saw this. Um, so there's popcorn time, which was like this BitTorrent sort of uh, way to like watch movies, but it's totally unrelated to this ransomware also called popcorn time. Mm-hmm. So the way it works is if you get infected with this ransomware, um, you know, so it'll, it'll go into your computer, encrypt the hard drive and then give you a message saying that, you have a choice. You could either pay this, um, uh, you know, the number of bitcoins or whatever to uh, get the encryption key back, uh, the decryption key back, or you could find two other people to get uh, their systems encrypted, have them pay, and then if that if they both pay, we will give you the encryption key back. Your for your encryption key. <laughs> I think I saw this episode of Black Mirror. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's very clever. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, and and but also think of it from like a social uh, uh, social hacking sort of. You know, it's like if you get a a random uh, email from like a prince in Nigeria to click on something, that's that's one thing. But mm-hmm. um, but if it's from somebody that's like kind of plausible, mm-hmm. um, and and it also has to be most likely an enemy of yours, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, so it's like you got to find uh, somebody you don't like that you've got to deal with to, to have them uh, get infected and then uh, have them uh, do the uh, uh, pay the ransom themselves or find two other people to do it. Yeah, I was going to say, well, in fact, too, you need to find two enemies, right? Um, yes, yeah. right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I have that. This has to fall apart, though, at some point, right? Because you have to be a special kind of sociopath to go at, to take the two people option as opposed to the pay option, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you have a long enemy list, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, well, I'm also thinking that 
I, I haven't thought all the way through this, but you know, Ponzi schemes eventually fall apart, mm-hmm. and this is a kind of a Ponzi scheme, right? Oh yeah, where just yeah. like the risk keeps getting deferred and deferred and deferred, um, but eventually the bill comes due. But I guess in this case, the bill is actually a check that goes to the guys who invented the ransomware. So mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe that's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's novel, regardless. I it think. is very I, clever. It's, yeah, yeah, evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of evil and ransomware, um, like, are are you a fan of of smart TVs? I recently, just over the this this holiday break, I played with my first smart TV. Um, okay. And uh, I kind of walked away thinking, so what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I really didn't like. I I could see a lot more value in that being just an enormous monitor for my tablet, right? Yes. Um, like yes. I didn't I didn't actually need it to be smart. Exactly. And I'm I'm like I explicitly want a dumb TV. Like I don't mm-hmm. want it connected to the internet. I just want a big monitor yep. because that display technology isn't going to change that quickly compared to like the Roku I have that's sitting underneath it. Yeah. And I and I could swap that out for like 50 bucks every year, get the latest version if I want. Mm-hmm. Um and then or if it's and even if it's uh, not even features um if from a security standpoint, you're having the latest version that's getting security patches. Whereas if you're going to keep a TV for 10 years, it, once it's out of warranty, you may not get any security fixes for yep. it. Yep. And so it wound up, there's this LG smart TV that was like, had like uh, was a Google TV uh, inside of it. Um, so this TV uh, got infected. So I guess Google TV is running something as like based on Linux or something. And it, uh, it got infected with malware, and um, and there wasn't a. Um, it's like it, it, so the the malware like encrypted his TV, so it was like unusable completely. He got a hold, and and the TV was out of warranty. He gets a hold of LG, and and this was his parents' TV, I believe. Um, yeah, one of his family members, and and so um, and he couldn't do a factory reset at all like that wouldn't even work and then um and the documents online didn't work at all and um they said that well okay then just bring it to a service center and and we will repair it for you and they were thinking that they would get like a bill of about uh 340 dollars uh for the uh for the bill and Mm -hmm. um whereas the the ransomware only asked for 500 dollars to unlock the tv and so then he posted on um, social media, his frustration with uh, LG and everything, and then uh, surprisingly, LG came back and said, "Oh, uh, we figured it's like uh, because of the social media pressure and the outrage at LG, they actually figured out a way to be able to uh, do the factory reset um, uh, just in your house." It's disappointing that that LG needed to be kind of publicly shamed before they actually helped this guy, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, and that, that was, and to me, that's, that's a lesson in why I don't buy smart TVs. It's, it's like, it's like, I, like, I don't have my TV connected. It, mm-hmm. I can connect it to the internet. I don't, um, yeah. but I know that it's out of warranty. And occasionally I'll, I'll just look up the products I have around the house to see if there's new firmware or a reason to do it. And I looked up for like my TV uh, that I have, it's like the latest firmware is like five years old. And so it's like, I know there's something, you know, just waiting to go wrong with it, you know, from a, yeah. a security standpoint. So it's like, I'll air gap it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, 
it's interesting it, because if it was if this was a server and it was compromised by ransomware, um, HP would likely tell me to go hang, right? Um, because like, they're they're going to say, well, this is not our problem. Like you got infected, and that's your responsibility. But the which is fine, or at least that's a that's you know that's I mean that's fine as far as it goes. But when you're talking about consumer electronics. There's no me- there's no way for you to maintain it, and so it's mm-hmm. irresponsible. I'm just trying to get specific about what my objection is here because the difference between a general purpose computer and a TV is that there's no mechanism for me to uh, sensibly update my television, so you can't po- so you can't hold me responsible for fixing it. Whereas with a general purpose computer, there's a uh, you know there's command lines and patches and all kinds of stuff that that I'm expected to do to keep it safe. Yeah, right. And also there's, you know, and things are are like when you buy a product uh, compared to having a subscription for a product, mm-hmm. um, that there's much less incentive to provide any sort of bug fixes or updates to it. So a subscription model is actually uh, creates that revenue stream to incentivize the manufacturer to provide updates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Because if they because if you were just buying the thing outright, the incentive actually is to fix whatever in the next version of the thing and make and me go buy it. And make me go yeah. buy that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's yep. right. Yeah. Well speak speaking of the uh LG uh being in the news, um mm-hmm. did you uh, hear about the LG uh tone studio? Uh, no, not as, and I have some opinions about this, but go, why don't you tell folks what it is? Yeah. So, um, like, did you ever see how people have those like Bluetooth, um, uh, like headsets that, you know, it's like they wear them around their, the back of their neck and then they'll plug them in, you know, into their ears whenever they get a call or they want to listen to music or they go running or something. Um, so it's like that, but instead of it plugging into your ears, it's actually like this horseshoe that goes around the back of your neck. And it has speakers in it, so it's it blasts music. Uh, it has built-in speakers and blasts music up at your ears. LG is a company of monsters, and they need to be stopped. This, I, this is, unless you're living in the woods, and you never talk to anybody ever, uh, mm-hmm. this is an irresponsible thing to put on the market. Um, yes, this just this is the worst. It's just the worst. It's bad enough that we gave phones speakers. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, because I'll I'll be in like the airport and uh, or on an airplane and like especially like in the airport like there there will be like people sitting there listening to music on their speakerphone and it's like really you know and it may be mm-hmm. smooth jazz or something like that but it's like I just want to just and it's like I I don't want to hear your music mm-hmm. I don't care if it's good or bad or whatever it's like. If yep. I want to listen to music, I'll get my headphones out and everything. Yep. And it's like I want to pull like Pantera out or something and just like <laughs> just a little create a little contrast to say, yeah, <laughs> you, this is how I feel right now. And yeah. Um, yeah. And then and it's the same thing too with um like a lot of times I'll see the uh parent like throw the cell phone at, at like a a toddler or something to like, oh, play Candy Crush or something. And it's like the the which is fine, right? Mm-hmm. It keeps them occupied and uh, and um, behaved, but like the sound is up, so it's like you hear all the all the sound effects and stuff like that, and it's like I, I just want to rest or sleep or something like that, and it's like well, the thing I don't get about yeah, the thing I don't get about that is don't the parents want that off? Like, how is it that the parents are so inured to those sounds that they leave them on? Unless it's 
better than screaming or something like that. That it's like I'll, I'll take that. That's no problem. Like they're right. like they're tone deaf to it or something. But I I don't know. I don't know. And maybe it's like I've been away from being a parent of a toddler where you know it's like you I, I, like when when Soren was a baby. You know the screaming baby. It's at least for me with Lauren. It's like I was very sympathetic, right? Yes. But before I was a parent, I would be given stink eye to people as oh you're terrible parent you know what's wrong with you and then it's like the further and further i get away from that it's like my my crotchetiness comes back (laughs) so like maybe it's me and i'm not as patient um but i don't know no i but even i am the parent of a toddler and uh it was christmas and uh we got a bunch of very lovely toys from the parents thank you parents um but uh some of those toys came included with uh speakers and uh, among the projects this weekend is I need to go through all of those toys and snip the wires on all the speakers <laughs> because those to- I don't want toys making noise because it drives me crazy. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, anyway, all right. A moral of the story is LG should not be selling personal speakers that are explicitly designed to be used in public. That's yes. That's irresponsible. Well, that, yeah, probably the same person that came up with that that find two friends to uh, get your malware. Exactly. Um, exactly. He is the, like, he probably has like a stand at the airport selling these, these things. <laughs> That's right. He's just laughing. A, you yeah. know, this is evil, you know, with a, with a, one of those mustaches, you know, it's just like snidely whiplash sort of thing. Exactly. You know? I'll get you Brookstone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the other thing is uh, I saw was that um, one of the big things that I'm seeing is that that there's malware that's going on that is not um, like inc- uh, not uh, doing like ransomware and locking your system, mm-hmm. but uh, just slipping into your computer and just doing cryptocurrency mining at at just and but maybe not flat out to make it like totally obvious Mm -hmm. um and then just using the those cpu cycles um to uh mine uh cryptocurrencies and there's one one of them is uh zcash which Mm -hmm. is where if you think about something like bitcoin it's you could actually make asics or like special computer chips um because the algorithm is very very repeatable and not a memory hard algorithm Hmm. whereas zcash and there are other ones like monero um, are are ASIC resistant, which means that you have to have a CPU for them. And what that does is it gives people like a fighting chance to right. be able to do cryptocurrency mining on a general purpose CPU instead of having like a rig of of all these special purpose stuff. And these guys corner the market. And but the the side effect though is that people are doing this malware um, that using by mining Zcash on general purpose computers. And like you think about like you know the the uh, the non-computer expert, like parent, like kind of person that, oh, my Windows system is slow or something, and and people just shrug their shoulders, and it's like you know, like you have a Windows system, and it just seems to get slower and slower and slower over time. Uh, but in this case, it could actually be running um, uh, mining cryptocurrency on like your parents' computer. Hmm. Hmm. So what's the? So I guess the defense for this is. Oh, what is the defense? I guess. Preventing the machine—I don't know what—preventing the machine from reporting back to the server, back to the back to home base. Yeah, which I think that would be hard to do too, yeah, right? It's right. like if you have uh, you 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 need you need something like XGuest, 
right? Um, to be able to um, have, you know, like not be able to install malware and have it like randomly run software that it's like whitelisting software, right? Right. right. And and then, um, yeah, and and it's also gonna, you know, people would be like, oh, what's the harm? It just makes things. Uh, makes a computer a little bit slower, but but it also cranks up your electricity bill, and and it makes since it's a memory hard problem, um, it exhausts the memory in your system as well. So like all the other applications that you're trying to run don't run that well either. Well, right, but the real objection is not about resources or or any kind of material damage to your computer's performance. Like the real objection is somebody's getting something for free, right? Right. Right. Well, yeah, it's basically, and also the other thing with a lot of the CPU based mining, it's not, it's, it's actually not very, um, cost effective, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I looked into doing like cryptocurrency mining and the, the, unless you're like living in China next to a hydroelectric dam, um, and you get electricity for free, you're never going to make any money mining, uh, a lot of the cryptocurrencies are out there. Yeah. 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 So, so somebody's got a joke yeah. about, about uh, the cryptocurrencies basically being a way of turning coal and oil into fictional money or something like that. Like it's, yeah. um, it's, it is, it is yeah, constrained by the, by the price of electricity. Um, man, it's, you know, it seems like, you know, just like in the gold rush, like the number of people who made money off of, uh, uh, gold itself, it's like a lot more people made money selling shovels. Um, yes. And so, like, the real winner of this are the folks who are building the custom ASICs and the folks who are selling time on this hacked-up network of Zcash mining uh, yep. the zombies. Um, like, that's where the money is, right? Yeah. Well, even with the ASIC miners, they go out of business pretty quickly, too, because mm-hmm. it's like they, they, you know, somebody else will come out with something or somebody else will come out with something. And then the people that buy the ASICs, like they highly leverage themselves and then they go out of business right and then their assets get liquidated and then that just goes back in the in the market yeah. so yeah, yeah. there's a lot of uh asic miners that have uh, come and gone too yeah. so amazing yeah yeah so it's like the most cost-effective way to do it is to infect other people and, and leech off their systems right right or yeah. not play at all right yeah just just be good people and uh <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's that's the the best way to do it. But <laughs> but instead, you know, the other thing that that they're doing is that they're um, they're these, and this is back from September. It's related. Is that uh, there's these Seagate central NAS uh, drives mm-hmm. that um, malware has infected seventy percent of the ones that are on the market at the time at, back in September, and it earned um, eighty six thousand four hundred dollars uh, by doing uh, uh, mining uh, Monero. So, um, so basically there was a bug that whenever you would, if you would have the Seagate device that would go out on the internet, um, you know, so think of it as like having like your own Dropbox at home. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was like a way that people broke into it and then used that as a beachhead to install, uh, cryptocurrency mining software on the, the lands of the computers where those NAS drives were living. Right. And, um, yeah, so it mined uh, Monero and uh, eighty six grand. Huh? Do you think it? Would, do you think it cost them? Like, do you think they made their money back? That doesn't sound too profitable. It seems like yeah, writing, the, writing the malware well, that, and, and the organizing the network fair. and stuff. So, it's, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the, there's more money in uh, uh, 
uh, ransomware, I guess. Yeah, well, certainly more money in consulting with uh, folks on cleaning that up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and who knows that that eighty-six grand? I don't know what the what the value of, the, of Monero is now, or if it's more or less. And that's right. that's radical. That's all over the place too. In fact, now that, I, and now that I'm thinking about it, if you were able to compromise five thousand NAS devices, um, mm-hmm. eighty-six thousand dollars like the minimum amount of money you could pull out of that, right? Because like, who knows what yeah. kind of photos on there, documents? I mean, yes. much more lucrative. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But one other fun fact too is that the, the the one of the researchers estimated that malware is responsible for two point two point five percent of all the mining activity for Monero. See, that seems low, doesn't it? You would think that if you know, there's a, there's a bunch of folks out there. They know how to run botnets. They <laughs> have access to the mining software. Um, so of course they're going to use the botnets to to do the mining and that seems like the cheapest way of profitably generating Bitcoin. So, well, actually, no, but go back to my previous comment about $86,000. So if, if you can compromise 5,000 machines and only make $86,000, it's no wonder that only 2.5% of mining activity from Monero yeah. anyway yeah. is malware, right? Um, yeah. It's just, it's not, not cost-effective not to do it. Enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's actually, that's, that's crazy. It's actually cheaper to do it on the up and up. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that is that is pretty crazy. Hmm. Yep, yep. Hmm. But uh, yeah, the the other thing that I saw too was that uh, L.A. County. Uh, this happened uh, like a week or so ago. Is that uh, and and let let me I'll, I'll keep going and and I'll I'll wait for you to say what what should have happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a, an attack on May thirteenth that targeted a thousand county employees for Los Angeles. Um, for several departments with uh, phishing emails. Mm-hmm. And the, the phishing emails tricked 108 of the 1,000 uh, employees, more than mm-hmm. 10%, into providing their usernames and passwords to their account. Um, and many of those accounts contained uh, confidential patient um, and uh, or client information. Wow. So, and it was uh, 756,000 uh, uh, people uh, had their data compromised. And... Um, it's uh, yeah. So most of the seven hundred fifty-six thousand people who had information uh, have been accessed and and uh, were contacted by um, uh, had contact with the Department of Health Services. And so, with that, do you blame? So so who's to blame here? Is it the hundred eight employees? Uh, in part, yeah. I mean, um, well, it depends on how good the phishing email was, I guess. Okay. Right. Um, like if you're checking your links and stuff like that, you're paying attention to the domains of the things that you're clicking on. That's that you're, you should be doing that. Yes, it's annoying, and yes, it's incredibly hard, and yes, like you're, the average computer user doesn't have the expertise to tell a good link from a bad link. Taking all that as read, um, you know, nine out of ten were able to protect themselves. One out of ten weren't. Right. Yeah. Well, but what if what if they were using uh, like multi-factor authentication though? Yeah, if they were using multi-factor authentication, that would help maybe. Um, although, if they were using multi-factor, they would get to an ostensibly legitimate web page. They would type in their username and password. They would get prompted for a two FA, which would then fail or not. But it wouldn't matter because they had already collected the uh, they would already have collected the username and password and be well on their way. Um, now once that, but that information, 
may not get them into the actual system because they would because they would need the second factor. That's true. Mm-hmm. But what are the chances, Dave, that the people who typed in the username and passwords also use that username and password for other stuff? Yeah, true. Pretty good, right? True. Yeah. But at least I, I think that would have severely contained the damage. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like they're like 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 we were saying. It's like if if you got the the amount, it would be a lot more work. As a, like if they got the username and password, it's like okay, that's it, game over. But mm-hmm. if it was two factor authentication, they would they would have to work much much harder to uh, compromise. You know, to uh, to get past that. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then there's another, um, speaking of two-factor authentication, there's another um, another site called TurnOn2FA um, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And, like, if if you go to the, the site, uh, TurnOn, uh, and then the number 2FA.com, um, it's actually pretty good. And, you know, they were doing, like, a contest that if you tweet about it, they'll give you a free uh, – put you in a contest and win a free pizza and everything. But what happens is, uh, you know, to, to raise awareness, but there's actually like, they have a catalog of all of the, um, of all the sites that you could use. And the thing that I really liked about it was that, um, the sites like, like it would be like, Oh, you could do LinkedIn and, and, or it was clumped by social media and then clumped by banking and clumped by this or that. The thing I really liked about it was it, um, it, none of the there were no urls there you actually had to go to the website and type it in yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you can imagine i i could come up with a really cool turn on 2fa dot whatever account and then you know click on this like fake yeah. bank of america site and yeah. then harvest your password you yeah. know yep so did, did you see who sponsored turn on 2fa uh uh, tell me. Well, uh, I, I was going to make you guess, but uh, it's a company called Telesign, and you know what they okay. sell? <laughs> uh, what's that? Account security solutions to reduce fraud and establish identity assurance. There you go. Yeah, yeah. These That's are the guys. Good who, for them. These are the guys who do. Uh, who, I presume these are the guys who do. They say Tinder is a reference account. Um, you can understand that, you know, uh, they do two-factor authentication, account takeover. So good for them. That's, that's, that, they got smart. Yeah. And like you it's can do, you can do good and demand generation at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm all for that. Yeah. And, and give away pizzas. Yeah. yeah. Free pizzas too. Jeez. That's great. Yeah. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then what, one of the, as we wrap up here, there's, mm-hmm. there's, uh, you know, it seems like fake news has been a thing yep. over the past, uh, couple weeks Mm -hmm. and so there's a site called secure the news i don't know if you saw this but but uh you're a fan of scorecards right i am i love them yeah so here's one for all the different news sites that are out there and they do a scorecard on them that says which ones um uh like like does a news site use tls and does it you know and and it goes down the line of of all what what algorithms does it use and it it gives them a report card and um, at the time of the, this article that I saw it, they said that 75 of the 104 news sites that they uh, audited received a D or F, and only four received an A for their encryption efforts. And and the whole reason for encryption, you know, people would think it's like, oh, CNN is not HTTPS, you know, wh- why do I care? That's not a banking site, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, not doing banking, but I would think, you know, and they, they talk in the article about exposing journalist sources and stuff like that. And I think there are other ways that you can communicate securely, you know, as opposed to like www.cnn.com. But, but my thought would be the injection, like a man in the middle injection of like fake news, like on a known site, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which should be like totally possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although there is a problem with this, Dave. Yeah. And that's if the New York Times goes SSL by default, I will have no way to trigger the captive portal when I go to a hotel and and get on the Wi-Fi. Oh, right. Yeah. That's that's one of the tricks that I do is I always go to CNN to uh-huh. like I want something that is always or HP is another one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, no, but it is important. I, I think. Um, Especially, although it's interesting too that there's actual layers of this because you can do HTTPS and that will encrypt the actual traffic that you send back and forth, but doesn't necessarily hide the fact that you are communicating with that site. So that's important. Right. Um, right. So if you're talking about like right. protect journalists protecting their sources and things like that, uh, somebody could see that I am going to a particular part of the New York Times uh, website, um, even if they can't see what conversation I'm actually having with the New York Times. Um, there is uh, perfect forward security um, where Google actually maintains a list of domains where, and this is for in Chrome, for example, this list of, uh, I think it's HSTS is what it's called. It's the part of the protocol. But, yeah, strict tan- transport yeah, security. Yeah, strict transport security. Um, and so if basically if your domain is on this whitelist, so if NewYorkTimes.com is on this list, your browser won't even try to communicate unencrypted with the site. Um, it mm-hmm. will right from the outset encrypt the connection, so you won't even be able to see that. You would not be able to see uh, even even what web page you're pulling out. Um, mm-hmm. Not just the contents would be encrypted, but the envelope would be encrypted. I guess is the best way to describe it. Right. It's they just know that you're going to New York Times or whatever, but yeah. everything underneath you yeah. can't see. That's right. That's always yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, that's also like the. The news sites will host ads and stuff and, and pull stuff out that may not be encrypted either, too, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Um, That's right. From their ad content networks and things like that. So. Yup. Um, speaking of envelopes and messages, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you found this note about how to write an email with military precision. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this, 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 is... check, this checks a lot of boxes for me. This is good. Yeah. Did, so did you ever hear of this, uh, uh, the bluff method? Uh, uh, yeah, bottom line up front, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. So it's like, you know, and that's the thing that it's like, I'm always uh, a connoisseur of of efficient communications where like, like you don't want to write like a mystery novel where you got to read a 10 page email to figure out, it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) And so uh, the military has this thing called uh, the bluff method or, you know, bottom line up front Mm -hmm. where, um, and, and they actually use keywords at the very, so at the very top of the email, it says what you're supposed to do. So it's it's like, and it's all in caps in, in typical military fashion, mm-hmm. um, where it's like action, sign, info, decision, request, cord, uh, for coordination. Mm-hmm. And so people know right away that it's like, oh, I have an action, or oh, this is just for my information and no response is required, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. That's pretty great, actually. If I could, huh? There's. I I could start doing this, but more than that, I want people to be doing this for me, right? Um, yes. uh, like I could, I suppose I could start doing that, but it's a little bit, 
I think one of the reasons systems like this don't work is because it's super pushy, right? When somebody says like, when somebody sends me an email with like action required at the top, like I don't say thanks yes. for being clear. Uh, more often than not, my reaction is like, who, like what you, you require action you? from me? Yeah. Like, who are you? Like, why yeah. am I, why is this important to me? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But on the other, I can see why it would take off in the military where you're not meant to be asking questions. You're, <laughs> your job is right and there's right. rank and there's right. rank and yeah. stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but, but i still, like i like the clarity i, I, I like the clarity yeah. of it that's important yeah yeah and and i think too that it's like with any more it's like I, my email is it keeps going up and everything and so if people can be clear it's like maybe i would appreciate it but but i think it needs to be done in a tactful way if it was like action for this or that and it's mm-hmm. like you know, it's like, okay, it's an action for me, but is it, you know, there may be, you know, it's, it's, it, it may be a negotiable sort of thing where it's like, well, it, you may want it to be an action for me, but let me tell you what the truth <laughs> is, you know? Yeah. Well, and that gives, I guess, I see that I, I saw this list as we were going through the notes here. And um, this is actually also a pretty good list of folders to have that are in your yes. inbox, right? Um, so here's a list of things that I need to do, action, sign, info, decision, request, coordination. Like, those are actually pretty good ways of dividing your work up. Um, so like, here's a bundle of things that require a decision. Uh, here's a bundle of things that require action on your part. Here's a bunch of things that you need to sign, I guess, if that's a thing. Um, here's info stuff. Here's coordination. Like, that's a pretty good way of triaging your inbox, right? Well, or even hopefully it doesn't even make it to a folder. Well, that's right. right? Yeah, that's it, right. It's yeah. like uh, decision and yeah. reply. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Delete, yeah. You know, yeah. and then you right. move on, you yeah. know, and, and so, yeah. And then, you know, it also does, you know, the other, and the other thing that I do too, and, and I may not put the, the all capital letters, action, sign info, all that stuff, but I still will be like, you know, I need help with blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I sort of hit it above the fold. So when yes. somebody's looking at the, the, like the message preview or that the, before you start scrolling on your phone, it's like, it's I'm telling them why I'm reaching out and then they can scroll and it'll be like, here are all the details why I'm doing this. So they could right. read as much as they want or they could just reply and say, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a nice, uh, for a while there, I, I have not been very good at this lately, but, um, for a while there, I had a, I had a nice little mnemonic that helped me, that helped ensure that I was sending emails with clear asks. Um, yeah. and it turns out that it's also polite. So the idea was never send an email without either please or thank you in it. Hmm. So, Sounds like something a, a, a mother would say. Right? It's kind of like, well, first of all, that's nice. That's a nice way to live yeah. your life, like, you know, to being gracious and kind with people. But also saying please implies that you are saying please something, right? Yeah, or, please act pl- upon please, something. Uh, please, yeah. yeah, please jump, please sign, please coordinate, please do whatever. Yes. Um, and so by including either you're thanking someone for having done something you asked them to do or you are uh, or you're requesting something of them. Um, by ensuring that you have the word please in there, you're not only ensuring that you're polite, but you're also ensuring that there was a sentence around the word please <laughs> where presumably you're telling them what you need. Yeah. So there's and, – and just to, to close this out, mm-hmm. there's um, uh, somebody, uh, uh, I guess, I presume a listener of the show, uh, he goes by the Twitter handle, uh, The Duck Talks. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he said that uh, uh, he has a friend who inspired others to use it and the Navy has a lot of examples of it. And then he sent me a link on the Army's take, which was an Army blog post, and I put it in the show notes. And this is going to really – you're going to love this part. Mm. Um, it's it's best to capture your bottom line in a single sentence that is clear and easy to understand. 
being able to state your thesis in a single sentence indicates that you have a good understanding of your subject. Unless you're on Twitter. Thank you. I'm here all night. I'm here all, all night. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that is no, good advice. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it is actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Where there are a lot of times I might get this like five page email and it's like, I don't even know what this is. Is there a question here or yes. what, what am I supposed to do? It's, and, it, it is. It is great when you get those emails from people who are clearly just like working out some stuff. <laughs> like, and they just yeah, need it. Like, <laughs> like I'm seeing the scratch paper. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. right. yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it is, it is, it is not only is it kind to say please and thank you, but it's also kind to be, uh, to be respectful of people's time and attention. Um, and here I'm going to get kind of, uh, here I'm going to get really annoying about it, but, um, even the act of sending someone an email is an interruption of their day. Um, because you're asking them to, at the very least, spend the five seconds to figure out whether they care about your email or not. Um, and if you are not spending at least as much time writing the email as it would to read the email, um, then you're probably doing your recipient a disservice, I think. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. (sighs) Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Dave. I did. I did. I was trying to come up with a quick, like, well, yeah, thank you, Dave. And, uh, please, Dave, would you mind telling, uh, telling our, our listeners where they can get, uh, where they can get the show notes? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. So, <laughs> I, I want what I would like everybody to do is please go to uh, dgshow.org. So, D's and Dave, G's and Gunner Show.org, and then they could they could see. We have a, whole, a nice website of drone sweaters. So, if, if you got a drone for Christmas and you don't have a sweater for it, uh, we could hook you up. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Yes, thank you.